Hey lovelies, before we get started, I just want to take a minute to talk about how things are going to be changing here over the three weeks. And the short answer is they're not. Um, I know that a lot of stores do different summer hours or things like that, and I just wanted to talk about it. So uh, the two main areas are in shipping and shipping schedules and in sales. So number one, if you do choose to shop during the three weeks, I will be operating and shipping as usual. Don't take the summer off, so you can expect your orders to ship same or next day, depending on when you place the order. The cutoff is generally around 4 p.m. Eastern, so if you get your order in before then, it'll ship out that day, and if it's after that time, then it'll go out the next business day. Secondly, sales. I will not be running any sales during the three weeks. Um, that just doesn't feel right. Um, the only discount, I think that there's a lovely perk that's scheduled to go out during the three weeks. Um, depending on when exactly in the three weeks it works out, I might push it to afterwards. I have to take a closer look at my calendar. Um, in general, if you are looking for deals, just always if you like to shop deals um, or if you only shop deals during this time, there is a clearance section on the site that has fantastic discounts that are always available. Some styles there are up to 70% off. Most are in like the 30 to 50% range um, and they're the same exact clothes. Uh, some of them are from past seasons, but a lot of my designs are really staples. So you can find great, great deals there. And last I checked, there was something available for every size. Um, the only difference between buying from the clearance section and buying from the regular site is that um, it is still returnable just within 10 days instead of the usual 30 and that's pretty much all you need to know so pretty basically we'll be operating as normal um during the three weeks you'll we'll still have podcast episodes coming out and all of that so i hope you enjoy the show from impact fashion it's be impactful a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world It's Guitz, and on today's show, I talk with an Orthodox female physician and founder of Joma about the biggest challenging facing Orthodox women who choose to pursue careers in medicine. She shares the importance of community, why it's vital for women to understand the medical decisions they make for their families, and how a measles outbreak led to an entire organization. I think it would be pretty easy to underestimate someone like Dr. Eliana Fine. At first glance, she sounds like a perfectly normal orthodox girl, and in a lot of ways, that is exactly what she is. But like all of us, there is more to Eliana than meets the eye, and it takes about five minutes into a conversation with her to realize that. I think I was a happy kid who loved to do things. I loved keeping myself busy, getting involved in different organizations. So I know you as the, I know you as the head of, as the founder actually of Joma. I, I had heard about Joma kind of peripherally. I think I had seen flyers someplace. And I know that um, my friend, Dr. Uh, Bacheva Maslow is very involved. And I had reached out to her and I was like, okay, who's, who runs this? Like, how did this happen? I need to talk to them. And she connected the two of us. So thank you. Uh, thank you for that, Bacheva. And I'd love if you could tell everyone what Joma is, what it does, and why you thought it was needed. Yes, of course. So JOMA stands for the Jewish Orthodox Women's Medical Association. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and our goal is twofold. So number one, to provide support, mentorship, and networking opportunities 
to Jewish female physicians and physician trainees, which includes medical students, residents, and fellows, as well as pre-medical students and even high school students who are interested in pursuing medicine. With that being said, even though we are an Orthodox organization, all of our members are not necessarily Orthodox. We um, have a, members who come from all different walks of life. Um, the one uniting factor is that we all are Jewish and we all are women, and we love to support the Orthodox Jewish community. And our second goal is to provide preventative health and women's health education to the Orthodox Jewish community. With, um, so you are, um, you are starting residency soon, actually, yourself. Uh, did you always know that you wanted to be a doctor? Yes. So, well, uh, to be very honest, no. <laughs> I have a very creative side to me. I always wanted to be a party planner or a website designer or an interior designer. I still love all of those things. Um, but I also really loved helping people. And uh, coming out of high school, I remember thinking to myself, so where am I going to go next? I uh, really want to be a party planner, but I felt like I don't have to go to college for that. So that's something that if you're good at it, you're going to get business and it doesn't really matter if you go to college or not. And so I thought that it'll be much easier for me to go to college right after high school or after seminary when I'm young um, versus when I'm older. And so I thought, okay, I'm for sure going to go to college. Now what am I going to go for? I can always do party planning or graphic design or interior design or something else on the side, but I at least want to get a degree. So I have that under my belt in case I ever need it for my future. And after making that decision, I was like, okay, I like helping people. So I'll probably go to college for something like that. And what are my options? And I remember thinking like, okay, nursing school, PA school, or medical school. And I chose to go to medical school. And it sounds funny, but I, I made that decision because once I made the decision to go to medical, to go to college, I thought, okay, I'm just going to go all the way and go to medical school because I would rather look back in my life in 10 years and regret all of these decisions versus wish I went to medical school in 10 years. Yeah, I totally hear that. I, I think I have the same tendencies also where it's like, well, if I'm going to college, then I'm going to medical school. Like I, that I total I totally relate to to that line of thinking. Yeah. So, um, how far into your med school journey did you think that something like Joma was needed? So I actually started Joma in my first year of medical school. So, uh, the uh, I guess the way it all started was that I grew up. I didn't know any other from female physicians. I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. And I would say 99% of all the moms and the kids in my class um, were all stay-at-home mothers or were teachers in the school. There weren't really any um, very professional like moms or moms that had very professional careers. And so even though I grew up like that, I uh, decided to go to medical school. I went to um, Bisako schools my whole life. I went to Benoitskava for seminary. And then I ended up going to Stern College for Women, Yeshiva University, after seminary, but I got married 
um, the summer I came home. So before I started undergrad, and it's funny because I came from a very Bisakal community where people kind of tell you, oh, don't go to Stern or don't go to Ishii University. That's considered like, oh, worse than going to college. I think there's just politics involved in that statement. Yeah, it's just, it's like stupid. <laughs> It's, yeah. Yeah. Yes. You're. I'm rolling my eyes so far in the back of my head. They got stuck yeah. just hearing that. But yeah, it's it's generally not super encouraged in some circles. Yeah. So I and I guess my whole life, the schools that I went to, the seminary I went to, college is very discouraged, and especially Yeshiva University was very discouraged, even more so. And so I I didn't know anyone, and I would say the only reason why I really went there was because I was already married, and I commuted. I. I didn't have friends there who were going. Um, I met people in my classes, but it's not like I, I went there and had a whole support system like some other girls who attend Stern, which is awesome for them. But I just, I didn't have that. And I also, I was married, so I wanted to go back home to my husband. I, I didn't want to like stay. I don't really know much about the clubs at Stern. Mm-hmm. Else that goes on besides my classes. And I made some friends um, who were in the same class as myself. But I guess my point in all of this is to say that I really didn't know anyone along the way. And I really felt like I was paving the way for myself alone. Um, I, uh, I just didn't know any other from female physicians or physician trainees. And I went to a medical school that was far on Long Island. I went to, it's called Stony Brook University School of Medicine or Renaissance School of Medicine. They changed it to recently. And they were no other from students and there were no other mothers um, in my class. I started medical school with a one and a half year old. And I kind of felt very isolated in the process. And I, at the time I started an Instagram blog because I wanted to kind of showcase what it's like to be a friend mother in, med- in medical school. So that hopefully I can inspire someone else or I can meet other people. I really, I really felt like I was a little bit of like, I really kind of felt alone in the process, like I said before. So uh, through my Instagram account, I uh, ended up meeting Dr. Naminol, who is a radiation oncologist. And I remember she reached out to me and I looked at her page and I was like, oh my gosh, like she looks very normal. She has four kids. I, I, uh, um, I had some conversations with her and she also went to be staff of schools growing up and she looked totally like normal. And I'm like, where are other people like myself? Like, how come I don't know anyone? And so I brought that up to her and she said, you know what? I also didn't know anyone in the process. Now I kind of met people. And she introduced me to this Facebook group. It's a private group called the From Female Physicians Facebook group. So it's only for from female physicians and physician trainees. So she added me to it. And I saw there were 300 plus members. And I was just like, where are these people? How come I don't know anyone? I'm obviously not the first from female woman to go to medical school um, and to pursue this career but like, where are these people? And so I asked Dr. Noel, like, hey, do people ever get together? I would really love to meet you. I would love to meet other women. I would love, like, I just didn't know anyone. And I guess I was kind of craving that support system. And so 
I asked her if she would want to put together a, a meeting with me at some sort of restaurant, like a girls' night out for physicians and medical students in the area. And she thought it was a great idea. She said that the women on the Firm Female Physicians Facebook group don't typically get together or no one really gets together. But she thinks that Ivone would really love to meet each other because so many other women kind of went through medical school and training alone. And now they met people through the, the Facebook group, but there's still no like get togethers. And so I said, okay, would you want to speak at one? She was like, I would love to like help you with it. I don't really have like the time to like set the whole thing up, but I would talk at it. And so I was like, okay, awesome. And then I saw um, Dr. Batshava Lerner Maslow's information on Instagram too. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is another from female doctor. And uh, she's a reproductive endocrinologist and infertility specialist, which I'm very interested in. And so it would give me the opportunity to reach out to her. So I reached out and said, hey, I'm interested in putting together a get together with Dr. Noel. And Dr. Noel is going to be talking. Do you want to talk as well? And she thought it was a great idea. She said yes right away. And then I put up a post on the Facebook group saying, hey, I'm putting together a girls' night out. And Dr. Noel and Dr. Um, Lerner Maza will be speaking. Who wants to join? Anyone want to help me put this together? This whole, this whole thing happened within like 24 hours. I had uh, a, <laughs> course it did. like a two-day break for like Columbus Day or something. I don't remember. And I was just like on Instagram and like Facebook. I was like, hey, it would be so nice to meet people. I don't know anyone. I'm like messaging Dr. Noel and Dr. Mazza. And I'm like posting on Facebook. Like it all happened super, super fast. And through that post, I got in touch with Dr. Mira Hellman Ostrad, who is a gynecologic oncologist. And then I also got in touch with Dr. Sherry um, Orzel, who is a pediatrician. She actually started that Facebook group and uh, they both wanted to help out and uh, came up with the idea to create a panel. So I'm like, okay, want to be on the panel. I think we should have a panel. So then they, uh, so then I created a whole panel and then um, another physician, Dr. Kana Weinfeck Neuberger from Baltimore got involved and I created a WhatsApp group for everyone um, because we're going to figure out, okay, what are they going to talk about? And they're going to talk about navigating the challenges of uh, being an Orthodox um, mother in training. And so uh, I remember creating this WhatsApp group and like posting, okay, uh, how should we get people to, I guess, like register somehow so that we can make a reservation at a restaurant. And so I thought, okay, I'll make a Google form. And then I remember thinking, okay, how will I disseminate the Google form? Like I could post on Facebook, but how cool would it be to make a website that's just like a simple website where you just sign up? And so my creative side, I always wanted to be either a party designer, web designer, or I think interior designer. I was like, okay, I'll make a website. And so I made a website and then I realized when you buy a domain, you can buy a domain that says .org instead of .com. This is literally the spark of the organization. 
I was like, hey, .org sounds much cooler than .com. Why not make an organization so we can do .org? And so I reached back out to the physicians on the WhatsApp group and said, I'm thinking of making an organization and this can be like some sort of event for it. Would you want to be on the board of directors because you're a panelist for this get together and then it can sound like official and maybe more people will show up. And everyone responded, oh, that sounds cool. Like I, I would be interested and everyone was interested. And so that's how I guess that's how it started. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. It's always, it's like those things where one, one idea leads to another, leads to another. And then next thing you know, you have a whole organization on your hands. Um, I'm sure that first event went really well, right? Yeah. Oh, so yes, I forgot to say. So after that initial post, we had a hundred people sign like, wow. up, like within five days. This whole thing happened within like 24 hours. I got the whole board of directors together and like made a website. And then within five days, a hundred people signed up. And wow. then part where it was like, okay, I originally charged everyone only $18 because I posted on LinkedIn. I started a, like a LinkedIn account and followed all of my husband's contacts. And so I posted, I'm starting an organization for um, female physicians. Anyone want to sponsor? And uh, someone offered to sponsor $1,000. So I was like, okay, $1,000. We're probably going to get 15 people to show up. So if everyone pays $18, we'll have the other, we'll have the $1,000 sponsorship and then it'll be fine. And now you have to feed 100 people. Exactly. And then 100 people applied and like paid the $18. $18. And so I had to then raise the rest of the funds to cover the costs. So that that's how it all started. How'd you go about doing that? How'd you get the extra that you needed? Honestly, social media is incredible. Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Just by posting what I was doing, people reached out. I said, hey, I'm looking for sponsors for this like cool idea I have. Anyone want to sponsor? And people reached out. It was so incredible. I think it was all being at the right place at the right time. And like with Hashem's help, like I think it just happened. Yeah. These things, sometimes they just, isn't it wonderful when things just come together in, in all of the right ways. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, the panel that that first panel was about some of the um, challenges of being um, an Orthodox mother in, in medical school and in the workplace. What are some of the challenges that are unique to, to Orthodox women or to women who are mothers when it comes to med school and when it comes to becoming a physician? Yeah. So I think the biggest challenge is the lack of community support when you say that you are pre-med. And that you're interested in going to medical school because that's kind of where it all starts. That I, I think that our community is unique where after high school you go to seminary for a year, where sometimes you don't go to seminary for that year. And I don't want to use the word expected because then it sounds bad, but maybe you're encouraged or it's just kind of how you're brought up that you get married right away and uh, you have kids right away and so I think that that generates like a lot of doubt in one's mind like oh can I really go to medical school I'm supposed to get married I'm supposed to have kids how will I do it um and then people telling you oh why don't you wait until you have all your kids until you go to medical school or like 
do you really think it's a good idea because no guy's going to want to marry you or no mother-in-law is going to want their son to go out with you? Um, so I think all of those kind of comments definitely scare um, women away from pursuing the field and pursuing pre-med. Even at Stern, which I guess one could say is a little bit more liberal, where I remember starting out in my pre-med classes and meeting other girls who were also pre-med. And then one by one, the friends I made in the classes, like towards the end, kind of dropped out of pre-med. And I, I knew uh, like a few, and then towards the end, I didn't really know anyone. Um, it could be I just wasn't in the, the right classes with the right people, but I just thought that was interesting. Um, so it's not just in the, I guess, very right wing or achievers community, but also in the more modern Orthodox community, this happens too. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges is lack of support. And then I think another challenge is like, I guess one could say like finances because I think a lot of people think, oh, you uh, need a lot of financial support from your family to be able to go to medical school. I know college costs a lot to begin with and then medical school. Um, I think what's nice is like if you're married, that if your spouse is working, then that kind of helps. Like as a woman, that's a, a little bit easier in that regard. Um, but I think people get scared off by that, especially if you get married young and if your spouse is young and isn't settled in his career, or if he also wants to go to medical school, then there are two people who are young, who are married and don't have an income for several years or making a negative income because they're paying for school. So I think that definitely scares off people from going to medical school. For sure. I want to play devil's advocate here for a second, because there is kind of, you know, like a line of thinking that says that, you know, you're right, medical school is expensive. And especially, you know, if you're going to get married young, you're going to have kids young, that means you're adding in all the costs of the costs of childcare and everything that has to go into that. And, and it's so and it's so hard to be in medical school in medical school when you're also, you know, have a baby or maybe pregnant or, or whatever it is. And maybe, maybe there's something to be said for, you know, maybe, we, maybe the guys should just be doctors, you know, maybe, maybe that's something that Orthodox women shouldn't be doing. And like I said, I'm playing devil's advocate. So yeah. you know, I think, I think it, anyone who knows me knows where I stand on this. Um, but why do you think it's important that we have Orthodox women who are physicians? Yeah. So I think it's very important because number one, women should have opportunities. And so if, I always tell this to pre-med students who like ask me about like, oh, pre-med versus like pre-PA or pre-nursing. And a lot tell me like, so I really want to go to medical school, but I'm not married yet. And I'm dating this guy or I'm going to be dating this guy. And I like, or in the future I'm going to be dating. And I want to make this decision with my husband because it's going to affect him too. And I, I really look at them. And I pity them because you want to marry someone who respects your decision and respects what you want in life. And so if you don't want to be pre-med, you don't need to be pre-med, but to not want to be pre-med because of someone else, like maybe you shouldn't marry them. Like that doesn't sound like a, 
a happy recipe for success. So I think it's important for women to have choices and to know that they have the ability to choose to go to medical school, to go to preschool, to go to nursing school, or to stay at home or do whatever they want. Um, and then in terms of being a firm female physician, why that's important is because there's so many different halakhas that play a role in medicine. And at the end of the day, like you can ask anyone, you can even look into this, that research will tell you that women make the majority of the healthcare decisions. Think about it. If you are happy with your OB, you're going to send your baby that you just had with your OB to a pediatrician that they recommend, or if you're the pediatrician recommends a surgeon for like surgery, if your child needs surgery, who's making those decisions? It's mostly the women because the women go to the appointments, the women know the doctors. Um, sometimes the men do, I'm not going to discredit them, but majority of the time, these type of decisions, um, the woman is the one that makes them. And like women are, or like the mothers are the ones that are going to see the doctors who have the time if uh, the husbands are working, right? So I think it's important to go, to be able to get care from other people who understand you and to understand your culture and the religion and the halakos because that definitely plays a role in different treatments and so yes they're like you said like how come like maybe it should just be the men but at the same time a lot like for different reasons sometimes women may feel more comfortable with another female physician and uh, for example, like I think especially in the OBGYN world or the infertility world, um, a lot of women, not every woman, but a lot of women do prefer to go to other female doctors. And so I think that it's important to also have from doctors. It's important to also have from doctors because from doctors understands what it's like to be from, they understand the the cultural aspect to the religion and they can help advocate for their patients. So and true. That- it's also, you know, within just, you know, we know that in the general population, most women prefer to go to a female OB. It's just, I mean, this is self-explanatory people. This is, this is not, um, you know, this is not rocket science. And a particularly, you know, like you said, with a field like, like, um, like an OBGYN, where there's so much um, nuance there, particularly when it comes to matters of halacha with, you know, Nida and, and all of those different things that you're yet yeah, having someone, if you're having someone who knows the lingo and, you know, can tell you right by your pap smear that this is not uterine bleeding and you're fine. And if you see some spotting, then you don't have to worry about going to make fun. That's very helpful information that you know that that you can that you can go that you can go go you know go forward with and I think if you limit that doctors can only be from men and not from women you limit the amount of from doctors regardless of their gender or sex that's you're just limiting the amount of from doctors there are by half medical school is hard being a doctor is hard um a lot of people don't choose the career and so uh, if you're going to get a select few men who are from, who apply to medical school, who become doctors, and then if you don't allow women to, you just... Yeah, you're, you're limiting, you're cutting, you're right, you're cutting the pole in half for yeah. absolutely no reason. 
And, and also what's so interesting is that all of the things that you said that people say about going to medical school, which we've all heard that it's, you know, you're not, you're not able to get a date and no mother-in-law would ever want that, blah, blah, blah. I heard all of the exact same things about owning my own company, all of the same things that she's too ambitious. And what I, I mean, I am a uniquely stubborn person. So for me, whenever I heard that, I was like, any guy who doesn't want to go out with me because I am. Uh, you know, because I'm an entrepreneur, because I have my own company, I'm totally fine with that. Like, please do not waste my time. I'm working till midnight anyways. And I'm basically taking a third of a day off of work to go out with you. So I'm really not interested. Like that's completely fine. And when you find the right person, it's the person who appreciates that about you. It's the person who is, can support you in that. And it's the person who, you know, it, it weeds out the, it separates the boys from the men very early on, which <laughs> exactly. Is- yeah, it's, a, it's an efficient way to go about things. The, the other, um, you know, aside from supporting um, Orthodox women or Jewish women in general who are med students and pre-med and, and physicians, the other um, goal of JOMA is to educate the Jewish community, specifically the Orthodox community, around health issues and around um, women's health in particular, you said. Um, and I'd love if, for you to talk more about that because it doesn't sound like that was something that was important to you as you were getting things started. Yeah. So uh, when we started, so it started out as kind of like a support group, um, putting together a fun girls' night out for uh, over a hundred um, from female physicians and trainees. And then at the same time, when I introduced the fact that I wanted to start an organization, I posted that on Facebook on that from female physician Facebook group, and I uh, asked people, "Do you want to join an advisory board?" And uh, this was all at the same time within those 24 hours or so. And so we got over 30 from female physicians and some residents to join an advisory board. And I created a WhatsApp group for them. And this was all kind of at the same time during the measles outbreak. So the, there's all this news going on um, how long ago was that? Like five years ago? Three years ago? 2019. Oh, yeah. I live in Queens. I didn't have to deal with the measles outbreak, but you're right. It was, it, yeah, it was, it was relatively recent. Yeah. When we started the organization. So then I created this advisory board and it kind of turned into a cute support chat where everyone was posting like questions or like medical questions. Like how would you treat this patient to like, anyone have good crockpot recipes to, oh my gosh, look at the news. It's horrible. They're putting the from community in such a bad light. How can we fix this? Like, what can we do as physicians to uh, make an impact during this measles outbreak? And so uh, at the time, like everyone was expressing like how upset they were. And so I remember someone posted a uh, letter of declaration from the commissioner of like immunizations at the department of health saying that like everyone in these zip codes need to vaccinate or they will be fine so lots and lots of money and it was like a whole like fancy declaration letter and at the end of the letter there was the assistant commissioner's name and like personal phone number and i picked <laughs> i picked up the phone and i called her name was dr jane zucker she happens to be jewish a Jewish woman who's also a doctor, I called her up. This was like, I would say two weeks after I created that WhatsApp group and decided to make an organization. And I said, and uh, we got a hundred people to sign up to this event. And I called her and I said, hi, 
I started this organization. We have like over 100 physicians involved because that's everyone who signed up. And I said, we really want to help. And I came up with the idea um, with the help of Dr. Maureen Nemetsky, who's a pediatric emergency medicine physician, to create a uh, free confidential hotline to provide uh, free MMR vaccines um, to patients in their homes. So we uh, like we kind of saw like what are the barriers to uh, getting the measles vaccine. So one of them is like, okay, is there a lack of access to care? There's no lack of access to care. There's tons of doctors out there, but it's more like, why aren't they going to see the doctor? I have, I had one kid at the time and like, it was hard for me to keep track of like my son's, like when he needs to go see the doctor and get immunized. So I'm like, okay, if we do more than one kid, it's even harder. Um, a lot of people um, in the Hasidic community, a lot of the women don't drive. So that also kind of, um, provides another limitation. Or if you have a lot of little kids, you're bringing them all to the doctor if you don't have like care. Like I had a, if you have more than one kid, it is hard to get out of the house. Imagine what's more. So I said, okay, provide vaccinations in people's homes. So I called her up and I said, so I'm thinking of putting together a free confidential hotline to provide free MMR vaccines to people in their homes. Um, do you want to provide me uh, malpractice insurance and help me with this? And she said, yes. Like wow. she literally said, yes. And uh, the Department of Health sponsored the whole thing. They, they really like went out of their way to help me with this project. And that's kind of how it, the preventative health education kind of started. So we created this hotline. We provided free vaccinations for people that called and requested and then we realized that we were getting literally hundreds and hundreds of calls from the community asking more about vaccination safety information versus asking to schedule a vaccine. So then we realized, okay, we need to add another feature to the hotline. So it's not like you call and speak to someone to schedule a vaccine and that you can like press one to listen to education about the vaccine, press two to talk to a representative to schedule a visit. Um, and so we received thousands of calls and we realized that there was a huge need that specifically in communities where people choose not to use the internet, they usually get um, a lot of their information through hotlines and it's like a form of entertainment or a form of education. And so we decided to utilize that platform and then uh, that was very successful. And so we ended up starting a podcast with Dr. Alyssa Minkin, who is a pediatrician, who is awesome. And she hosts the podcast and we make it so that the, a lot of the information on the podcast goes to the podcast and goes to the hotline so that we target a very large audience so that people that use intranets can uh, listen to the podcast, people that don't use internet can listen to the hotline. And so that was the start of the preventive health education that Joma was doing. And then we also realized is that there are so many physicians out there who want to help the community. And it's more of a question of, okay, I want to help, but how? And so Joma has really become an avenue to help other physicians utilize their successes in medicine and their education and uh, their talents to give back to the community. We had another physician 
um, Dr. Sahar Wertheimer, who is a reproductive endocrinology and infertility specialist. She just graduated fellowship um, in Los Angeles. And uh, she reached out to me on Instagram and said, I uh, got so many requests from my friends asking me about like fetal anatomy. And it's, it's so sad that so many women don't know the basics of, am I allowed to say? I don't yes, say yes, okay. yes, you it's are. Like, okay. <laughs> and so she was uh, telling me. I've done, she- I've done entire episodes with Sahar and with, um, okay. and with, um, and with Bacheva and like with Brachabard Wigder on like sex. So do not feel the need to censor yourself at all. Anyone, anyone who's going to ban me has already done it. I promise. <laughs> so uh, Dr. Sahara Wertheimer was telling me how so many of her friends or so many women from the community reached out to her asking for basics, like where's my vagina and clitoris and asked me like, I want to create some sort of webinar to teach these women the basics of women's health. And so uh, I had my Instagram blog that I mentioned before. And so she like, you want to do it with me? And I said, you know what? Why don't we do it through Joma? Because we uh, have the resources. We figured out how to get some funding. So we have some funds that we can use. And we have uh, a webinar platform and we have like technical support. And so I said, why don't we do it through Joma? And she was like, okay, that's awesome. And she really took that idea. And I definitely like helped more from the back end of things to get it off the ground, but she really took it off. Um, And then we got other students involved. um, Dr. Miriam Andreiser, who is a, uh, an OBGYN resident now at Harvard. She just graduated medical school with me and is doing her residency at Harvard. So she helped with that too. And so many other um, physicians and trainees, and we really created a monthly webinar series that was highly successful. Our first event received over a thousand women. It was like insane. And uh, every month we put them out. One month, we uh, our biggest was the topic on sexual health. We got over 2,000 attendees. And uh, we realized no one else is providing education to women. No one else is providing education to the community that is as easily accessible as ours and that is specifically provided by from physicians from the community, which I think is very unique because yes, there are other organizations that put out education, but a lot of them are not run by physicians. They'll have physicians or nurses or other people um, speak. And so everything that Joma does is specifically like medical education um, by physicians so that we want, we kind of want to not only provide the education, but also showcase how many incredible, talented, smart women who are physicians from their communities so that people can see, hey, okay, I could get education, but hey, guess who's giving the education? Like another woman from my community who I can relate to. Um, and it helps helps advertise for these physicians, um, for them to get more patients or referrals. And it also helps to showcase um, the number of us out there so that hopefully another potential pre-med student or another woman interested in medicine can take a look at what we're doing and take a look of, of um, take a look at all of the physicians and trainees involved and say, hey, if they're doing it, why can't I do it? 
Um, and so that no one has to feel that they're leading the way themselves. Yeah, there's a lot of talk always about, you know, how representation matters. And this is exactly that. This is showing that, you know, there are people who are just like you who are doing the things that you want to do and they're successful at it and they're accepted for it. And all of that is really, really special. Have you had any pushback? So yes, we have gotten pushback, but we've received an overwhelmingly positive response. Like just see how many attendees we have for all of our events and how many women reach out to us. Um, for referrals for uh, physicians um, and how many pre-med students reach out they're like hey can you uh, provide me with a mentor we have a whole mentorship program specifically geared to pre-med students and high school students and so I would say overwhelmingly positive because that's how we were, we were able to raise funds and spread awareness of the organization in such a short amount of time we're only a little over two years old by now and so uh, I would say a lot of the pushback comes from not having a board of rabbis or a rabbinical board who's part of the organization. And the reason for this is because we don't delve into halakha. We are doctors. We are not rabbis. We don't want to be rabbis. We don't want to pass in. We don't want to tell your people halakhic advice. We want to share with the women in our um, women health initiative. We want to share with them the basics in terms of what they need to know in terms of what is normal, um, what is not normal, when to seek physician care, when not to seek physician care, and when halakhic issues arise, like if someone has a question about NIDA, um, in terms terms of what we're talking about, so we're talking about birth control, and if someone has a question about spotting, and if they're in need out, we say, speak to your, like, speak to your rabbi, right. like, we'll provide you with the basics, like, how your menstrual cycle works, what spotting means, but we're not going to tell you if you are a need or not, we're not going to tell you what birth control you're allowed to take halakhically, like, if you want to take birth control or like we're leave those decisions up to you, but we will tell you all of your options. Right. And it sounds like to me that having a rabbinic board, you don't like rabbis are not, doc- I mean, some of them are, but it, it just seems like it would be, you're not, because you're not in a rabbinic position at all. And you don't claim to be that, you know, you are doctors talking about doctorly medical things. It just, I mean, to me, it doesn't seem like it's a necessary thing. And you're very clear about that, by the way, I should note that in, in a lot of your advertising and a lot of your webinars and all of that, it's, you know, this is a, this is a medical discussion about your options for birth control, not whether or not you should take it or what you should take or how you should take or anything like that. That's a separate discussion, but this is what your options are. Right. So a lot of times that like doctors, um, especially like who service the from community speaking to uh, other from um, other from patients and my friends like a lot of them are not given their options that people kind of assume when they go to the doctors like after speaking to several um, women from all different um, types of communities in the from community a lot of them have said that they were never given the option to take the HPV vaccine because I think there is the uh, the thought that because you're from you're obviously monogamous, so you are not going to be exposed to HPV, so you don't need the vaccine. So they're not even going to offer it. Or because you're from, you are not going to go on birth control, so we're not even going to tell you about it. 
where we'll only tell you like one option because this is the most popular one that doesn't cause spotting or something. Like so many times women are not given all their options in terms of anything related to women's health. Um, some doc like some doctors are great. Most doctors hopefully are, but there are definitely like some that aren't. And so we want to be there for women to as like another, another form of education. Right. And it's also, there's a, there's a certain level of, of, you know, especially in any doctor situation, you need to know what questions to ask. And if you don't have the education to be able to say, well, you know, oh, if the doctor is prescribing a certain type of birth control, let's say, then to say, well, actually, do you think that this would be a better option for me? Because I tend to have reactions to X, Y, or Z or whatever, I'm making this up. But all of that is, are things that if you don't know, if you think that, okay, there's my doctors tell it, you know, my doctor's giving me the pill, let's say, and that's what he says. So even though it makes me feel terrible and I don't like the side effects and all of that, okay, it has to be the pill. And and you don't know that there are that there are other ways to to go about it. Yeah, and even this is the one thing I guess I'm very passionate about women's health and reproductive health and sexual health education because I am um, going into the OBGYN field. Is that I remember growing up, so many girls in my class would complain about like really painful periods. I had friends that would stay home once a month from school. Like that is not normal. Right. Their mothers should have taken them to the OBGYN when that first happened. Like thing, little things like this, that people don't realize what is normal, what is not. It is not normal that after you have one child or if you have eight or however many children for you to have urinary incontinence, like that's not okay. Like it's annoying. You don't need to live like that. There are options available to you. And a lot of people don't know that or they don't have the tools to advocate for themselves so that's kind of the goal of our education is to provide you with the tools to advocate for yourself um, to make really good healthcare decisions this was fantastic there, I mean there's so many aspects of what Joma's doing and and the way that you've managed to pull it together is really really special I know that you have um, a, a great event coming up a synopsian with Yale um, that's taking place in August and I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about that who's it for and um, and how people can register yes so we are having a symposium that we are partnering with Yale symposium I butchered the word okay <laughs> you want to repeat it's fine we're not going to repeat it it's people i'm not a doctor we know this already and sometimes i don't know big words so we're having a symposium please tell everyone what that is so it's going to be a short medical conference from about nine in the morning till about two o'clock in the afternoon and we have incredible from female physicians who are speaking and providing great education the keynote speaker is the director of the CDC, who happens to be a female Jewish physician. How about that? Um, and so she is going to be speaking and it is specifically geared for clinicians. So physicians, physician trainees, pre-med students, nurses, PAs, um, community members can join, but the, the speakers are going to be speaking um, in medical terms. So um, if you're familiar with those terms, you're more than welcome to tune in and to join. And so you can register at joma.org. That's J-O-W-M-A 
www.ncpsa.org and you will see the information about the symposium up there for you to register. And then we have an exciting event that evening on August 8th at Bison and Bourbon. We have a physician networking dinner specifically for firm female and Jewish female physicians and physician trainees, which includes fellows, residents, and medical students. I am sorry, pre-med students and other students interested in medicine are not invited to that one, but we have other great pre-med events in the works that are being created. Um, and so it's going to be a very exciting day on August 8th. It really is. And joma.org, by the way, is filled with tons of resources and definitely check it out. There's, and it is a beautifully designed website. I have to give you credit for it. It looks really great. Um, if, uh, if somebody wants to learn more about you or uh, about Joma Eliana, I'm assuming they should just go to joma.org. Yeah. And you can follow me on Instagram. I am Dr. Eliana Vine. I'm very excited. I changed my Instagram handle from mom.futuremd to Dr. Eliana Fine when I graduated medical school. So you can find me there. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions about anything I spoke about or if you are interested in pursuing medical school, definitely reach out. I would love to help you. And that yeah. is fantastic. The last thing that I wanna ask you, Dr. Eliana Fine, is what does it mean to you to make an impact? It means helping other women understand that they have choices in life. They can choose to go to medical school and meet other incredible women who have done it and who are physicians. And if they choose another career path, that is incredible as well. If they choose to be a stay-at-home mother, that is just as incredible as long as they were able to make that choice themselves without pressure from anyone else. And so... I love to be able to empower women to understand they have choices and to help them make those choices so that they can be happy. Here, here. Thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Eliana, her links are in the show notes. The Be Impactful podcast is a project of impact fashion, the clothing line I created because I believe that we are all deserving of the beautiful things life has to offer. See my modest designs that are available in sizes 2 through 24 by going to impactfashionnyc.com. Access all of that by swiping up on the cover art. There are currently 11 people listed by Ora Agunot as a recalcitrant party. View their names, photos, locations, and details of their cases by visiting getora.org slash recalcitrant dash parties. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses, original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Rivki Itzkowitz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.nyc. As always, here's to making an impact together.